0: Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott, and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I am stoked that you are here today. Welcome, or welcome back. I hope to give you something special today, as I try to do with every single episode. And this week, I'm just really excited about my new friend, Monica Rogers. Monica is amazing, as you'll hear at the start of the episode We feel like we are soul sisters, even though we've only known each other for a little bit in earth school so far. She is a light leader. You've heard me talk about light leaders before, right? A light leader is somebody who has a deep craving to raise the world. A light leader knows that she is here to raise the world. And by raise, I don't mean like parenting. I mean like lift us up, all of us, to help us remember who we are, and to help us raise each other. A light leader knows that they need to do this by leading with love and light. And Monica is absolutely, positively a light leader. And I absolutely, positively adore this human. She is an advocate for the full actualization of women she is a champion for advancing consciousness and personal accountability through coactive coaching and podcasting. Her goal is to help each woman reveal her own personal truth, unique brilliance, and inner power. With over 30 years of experience in healing modalities, leadership, and coactive coaching, she also has a wealth of experience as a writer, blogger, entrepreneur, and business consultant. She's a pretty big deal. She's amazing. She's gonna make you laugh out loud. And this episode is really special. I hope you enjoy it. And if you are listening to this and you are a light leader, I've got something special for you. It's called light leader amplification and it's one-on-one coaching with me. It's a choose your own adventure situation. We can throw in some human design. We can throw in some energetic coaching. We can throw in whatever you need. This is coaching to help you raise the world, to help support you so that you can make the biggest impact you want to make so that you can raise the world. The world needs you. We need you to own and share your gifts and all humans need humans. All humans need support. I am here to help you be you in all of your light leader glory. I am here to help you amplify your impact, amplify your ease, amplify your freedom, amplify your love and light and leadership. And if you wanna learn more about that, go to kelseyabbott.com coaching. And as always, if you wanna get a human design reading for yourself or you and your partner, Go to kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And hey, did you know that you can get a free human design chart on my website as well? Again, just go to kelseyabbott.com. You'll see it all over the place. Get your free chart. And this is not an automatically generated chart, it is me personally pulling your chart and emailing it to you along with a special little tidbit that jumps out at me from your chart. So, all the things at kelseyabbott.com. Now, Let's enjoy this conversation with Monica. Remember, my dear listeners, you are a miracle. Go forth and be awesome. Monica, my long last soul sister, I'm just so excited to see you again. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, and it totally does feel like that. You just like there's something about. It's like my inner child knows your inner child, or something, or mm-hmm. you know, like jumping up and down. Like, I don't know who she is, but I do.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. But my my human self is like we just met like a month ago, and my soul is like no, you just missed each other. Silly, silly. Yeah. Thing. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's dive right in revelation. What does that mean to you?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So what revelation means to me is I think we can have revelations. All right. But, um, I think we can have revelations all the time. And what I'd say about that is they really, really happen when we dare to get out of our comfort zone because comfort zone kind of keeps everything status quo and you know there's there's a way that that's comfortable but it's not necessarily going to grow us or stretch us or have us you know be revealed basically and so for me revelation is that really sweet spot that we, where we kind of open that portal into revealing something that we didn't know. It's like that insight place, you know, that place where I I love, I love knowing that, that the Lotus is the symbol of enlightenment, but that, you know, it grows in the mud. And so it's like this that everything is kind of that paradoxical journey in life right where we have to kind of do the thing right that scares us a little and 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 i often right like my my main my primary interest is in really helping women get there right where we where we really start stepping into those guided places scared and excited right where we really feel that resonance you know and want to really just say yes to ourselves, like that fully permissioned place. Because I think we, as women, we're like the lantern bearers. We're the ones that illuminate the world. And so the more women can kind of disrupt this trance that we're in, that I feel like all of us are in, but especially women, the more we can really help illuminate the path forward.
0: Mm. Have you, are you new to this guided place? Or, or have you lived there your whole life?
1: I think I've lived there my whole life. Um, and like everybody else, I, there was a period of time where I think that I just kind of phoned it in. <laughs> you know, where, where I lost my spirit. You know, like I think I was born with kind of that spirit of a revealer, a, a, that spirit of a seeker. But life has a way of kind of grinding that out of us. And that's what I mean by the trance, you know, like that after a while, right? You're just, it feels like, um, like that there's sometimes there's like a a reason to why we have to kind of know the other side of something. And for a while, what I had to know was what complacency really was. I didn't know when I was in it, but I, but I started seeking what everybody told me I should have what everybody else wanted for me versus what I wanted for me. You know, the more you're told as a woman, for example, like, um, that's unbecoming for a, a woman or that, you know, like there are all these subtle messages, right. All the time that I call them invisible fences, right. Like we don't really get shocked, but we kind of know that there's like a, a defining line between like where we're free to go and where we're not free to go. And I think as we're girls growing through adolescence, you know, and kind of navigating that really tricky time between kind of knowing our own magic and our own power and then becoming kind of enculturated as we become women into a society that really has different, a different agenda for women, that the more we kind of bump into that fence, the more tired we become. And because we've been taught instead of bumping into the wall and leaning against it and resting we've been taught to keep going you know that that we become exhausted and then we just kind of do the things you know it's just like okay fine
0: so what woke you up
1: so (laughs) so what woke me up was um was having to was having to get to the point where I had done all the things that, that other people said I should do, you know, that would make me happy, you know? So I I did all the things like husband check, kids check, entrepreneur check, education check, making money check, having a big house with a picket fence check, right? All the things, all the things. striving, pr- you know, and, and the energy behind it, right. That I didn't know at the time was like constantly trying to prove myself, my worthiness, my, you know, I can do this. I've got this. Right. Um, and getting to the point where I started again, I don't think I realized it, but it was like, if I, if I was like, a, I, w- I was like wearing the masks, right. Like I just, like the true me was actually starting to feel really cynical and resigned about like, like why are all these people so happy or what are they not in touch with or what do they know that I don't know? And I, I, there was part of me that just felt like there was a lot of this performative stuff to life. And I think that the more dissonance I started to feel, inside of my own body, the more that actually my body held the wisdom, because if it had been up to my mind, I would have just kept going. But I, I think I had to get sick. I think I had to get ill in order to, you know, like I go back to like, I, I almost had to lose my life to choose my life the way that it was, you know, and, and just get real about it. And at that point in my life, I think I was facing adrenal failure, exhaustion, um, and and it took like really a full-on life breakdown, and it it intersected with the last economic crash, and so it wasn't like I called it like, you know, because it's always go big or go home with me, so it had to be like a like a like a total smackdown you know, like a total two by four. And that's what happened. It all fell apart at the same time, including my marriage, losing all my investment capital, you know, all the investors, the business, um, my home, my job, my livelihood, you know, my friends. I mean, because, you know, divorce is contagious. So like you learn all of that stuff too, right? Like, and at that time in my life too, I realized like, it's almost like I had to be alone. Like obviously I had my small children, but, but it's almost like I had to lose everything in order to get it.
0: Yeah, the universe really wanted to make sure you got that message.
1: Mm-hmm. And I really did. It, it, I really did. It took eight months in bed, but I got it.
0: Mm.
1: What was the message? Yeah, great question. Um the message was I had been building I had been building like an empire on quicksand. You know, like I didn't have the foundational self-love. Like I I realized later what self-loathing was. Like we talk a lot about this culture about what self-love is and the symptoms were things like i couldn't look in the mirror and like and like love myself like i was so hypercritical of myself in all ways and the mirror was just like a reflection for like my physical self but it was also a metaphor in a lot of ways for all the ways that i was just either too much or never enough. And that's of course the double bind a lot of women always find themselves in. Yeah.
0: So how would you actually define self-loathing?
1: Uh, like a million tiny paper cuts mm. that that is done. We don't realize. Um, so I, on my journey to healing after I kind of got out of the bed, I started when I really started crying out for help, which was in a spiritual way, because I was actually raised by a former um, nun. My mom was once in the convent. So I was raised in a Catholic church. And so I didn't really get, I was never given permission. And again, going back to kind of permission is a big theme for me. because while I thought like I was this wild child and like very much a revealer and all of this, there was also a part of me that always wanted to be a good girl, to be loved, right? Um, and so often I would abandon myself in exchange for love or belonging, right? And so um, there's this way that we speak to ourselves. And it's really noticing that inner voice and starting to intercept the inner voice. But as I kind of started on that journey of healing and these miracles started to show up in my life, one of those miracles was a shaman and I had never experienced a shaman before, but I'll never forget when I went and I sat with him in his office and I was expecting like this guy in like a, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was thinking like flowing robes and I, and And, and meanwhile, he was like in Patagonia boots and a vest and, (laughs) and he was just this big, tall, like lumberjack kind of guy that like, he looked like he just came out from, you know, stacking wood or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in front of him and his name was Dr. Jastrom. He's such a great guy. And he said, uh, so what's going on, Monica? And I said, well, you know, I've been really having a hard time. I think I'm depressed. I've been in bed for eight months and, and, um, you know, this woman, blah, 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 told me to come and see you. And he's like, Oh, she did, did she? You know, and he was just kind of nonchalant. And I'm thinking, like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy really? And he said, um, well, we'll take I'll take a look at you in a minute, but I, I want to ask you a question, Monica. He said, uh, do you speak to your loved ones the same way you speak to yourself? And I, I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. Like I got what he was insinuating, right? But I didn't I kind of was like, oh, you know, like just, okay, whatever. I guess he thinks I don't speak to myself well. So I didn't let it really penetrate me that day, but it was actually two days later that I got it. Okay. Um, But what he said to me before I left the office and as the next part of that is he said, no matter what I do today and what we discover today and in your healing, he said, if you don't, stop speaking to yourself that way, you will kill yourself.
0: Wow. Yeah. Where, where did those words land in you?
1: I mean, that day they didn't land that day. They didn't land because I didn't, I wasn't embodied yet. I wasn't in my body yet. But part of the healing with him was, I think it was a soul retrieval. Like I know, like I'm so mature now, right? Like I know so much now, like 12 years later or whatever, right? But, you know, I, I think there was that element of his work that was kind of a soul retrieval. But what I will say in doing work in the world with women in this way is that most women are disembodied. You know, we've, we've been taught to not be in our bodies because the world is a very, very uncomfortable reality for women because we're born, we are uniquely designed to feel, to intuit. And those are of course the places we've been taught not to go, but they're actually our power source, which is why we're taught not to go there. So, um, so it was, Two days later, I was at the grocery store and I was still very, like, it took me like two hours to go grocery shopping because I was still like so disoriented and weak. And, and it was a big deal for me to just be out and doing things after being in bed for so long. And, um, and I, I had gotten a few groceries and I had two bags of groceries and I was walking out to the car. And I had an experience where the milk must have leaked and the bag blew out and the gross and right in the middle of the traffic where the parking lot was and, and suddenly the voice, you idiot, you stupid idiot pick it like suddenly I was like oh my oh my god like and I'm picking up the groceries I was like having this experience like where I'm like listening to the voice but I'm like also witnessing the voice and I'm like and the voice was so mean it was so abusive and I was like and then you guys I couldn't make it stop like once you hear it it was like you can't unring a bell it was like it was everywhere. And, and it wasn't just one voice. It's like, of course, once you really kind of start doing this work, it's like, it's a bad neighborhood in there, right? Like of, of, of like the, all of the, all of the saboteurs, all of the inner critics, right? Mm-hmm. There's the judge, there's the perfectionist, there's the, you know, all of the like well-meaning voices that were, de- were actually designed to protect us. But when we're unconscious of them, they... They are just ruthless,
0: right? You know, I had forgotten about how loud they get. I forgot about that part of the process. I remember when that happened for me, when it was during a race, I had been doing all this work on inner critics and then I did a 5k and the chatter was just nonstop. And I had some tools to thankfully like to transform it. And so I'm like trying to deal with my head while my body is trying to run, but I was like, Oh my God, shut up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Early
0: stage. It's just nonstop.
1: It's just nonstop. And, and I had the interesting thing is like, if I look back, you know, I had done a lot of leadership work, but it was like, I had all the right words, but I hadn't I hadn't really done the work of feeling my life of, of orienting myself inside of my body. Because I think again, like if I go back to my childhood, right? Like a lot of us experience a lot of trauma just from living in the world in general. And that that's not to That's not even talking about the kids who are legitimately abused, right? But um, there's a lot of ways that like the world really is a very uninhabitable place for emotionally sensitive people. And so there's, at a very early age, you kind of learn how to survive. And a lot of that is about kind of learning how to numb it. Or in my case, um, you know, it was often... I would get like tension around my throat because, you know, if, if the definition of trauma is that you're not supposed to know what, you know, or, um, if you're not allowed to know what, you know, or, or like experience, like really articulate your experience, that's that in itself is trauma. And I felt like my voice was not welcome. I felt like my truth was upsetting to people. And so I just learned to kind of like like a cork, like shove it down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and so when I say that, it sounds like I'm in my body, but there's this weird way of like kind of compartmentalizing yourself in these places. And and when I talk about self-abandonment. Ab- It's literally like there was a part of my journey where I had to go back and forgive myself and reclaim those parts of myself that I had abandoned, whether I thought that they were um, unacceptable, too much, or that there were just parts of me that I realized like I had no tolerance for, especially when I started getting into the inner child work because I anytime that, that inner child work came up, I would almost like like cringe. Like I was like, ugh, you know, like, and, and that's, it was like to the degree to which I was repulsed by that kind of work was the degree to which I needed to do it. And when I kind of got back into that part of my awakening, I realized like, my God, like there were so many things that I thought were normal like living in an alcoholic home or, you know, growing up inside of a patriarchal culture where I just started to recognize like, Oh my, I just started having so much compassion for myself as this little girl who was just doing the best she could. And, and, and so, you know, the self love piece is are all of these parts about, remembering who we are. Like literally when I talk about reclaiming, it's like, oh yeah, like I rem—I had to remember, like I had dismembered. <laughs> now I had to remember who I really was, like what truths I had to abandon in order to be part of the tribe, in order to be accepted.
0: So much is coming up for this. So I love that you're taking the difference between dismembering, which, side note, when I first learned that word dismemberment, it was in high school, water polo having to sign a waiver saying USA water polo wasn't responsible for dismemberment. And I had to look up what that meant. Um, It means losing a body part. So to go from dismemberment to remembering that So I was going to ask you how you came back into your body, but I think you just answered it.
1: Yeah. Not all at once. Cause that's, that's a bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but it's actually slowly allowing because, you know, uh, and and stopping the numbing, right? Is it's just noticing where was I disassociating? Cause you get really good at it, right? You get really slick at disassociating. Like you don't even know you're doing it. In fact, you know, to actually be here, right? Talking to you, to to you, you might notice me just breathing a lot, centering a lot, right? For me, it's a huge, it's a big deal to stay here, like stay. When I'm nervous or um, triggered or feeling right, it's it's just you. It's a practice, and so. Wait, uh, hold on. Can you, you explain that to people? Like, where do you want to go, and how do you know you want to go? Yeah, great question. Um. So. I don't know where where I go but where I go is safer. (laughs) You know, where I go is feels safer. Let's put it that way. But it's, but it's not, but where I go doesn't hold any magic. It doesn't hold any revelation. It doesn't hold any, um, growth. It's, it's almost like it, it's just, it's a numbing place. It's like, um, it's like turning off my senses so that I, it's, it's like armoring up. Okay. That's what it is. It's like armoring up, like getting ready for battle. And, and we don't realize, I think how programmed we are to kind of like armor up, get ready for battle. So, so the practice is just like, if, if I notice I'm wearing my shoulders as earrings, right. Like, you know, just, it's, it's starting to practice that, like, oh, look at you. You're so precious, like getting all armored up, little silly thing, you know, like, but in a kind way, you know, like approaching myself with levity and love and compassion and really, you know, recognizing that, that my work in this world is bigger than, my fear and that part of part of being tenderized right in this way in this body is like it 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 all gets to be here perfect just as it is like messy feeling hurting ill uncomfortable like all those all those crazy paradoxical feelings are all part of this experience of life and that if i numb it I numb it all, you know, like you can't have, like, I always look at that word joy behind you. Right. It's like, I can't like, I want that. Right. And as women, when you start to get that, how we create in the world is we have to, we, we have to, recognize that we, we hold both these energies, this masculine and this feminine, and that we've got that masculine part down, right? Like where I'm going to set the goal, right? set the goal and achieve the goal. But if I don't feel the desire, there's the feminine that meets the goal. You've got to have the goal and the desire in order for it to manifest as real in the world, right? That's how we create, we have to feel it. And so I can't, hope to get my work done in this world or to have what I truly want, which is intimacy with others. If I keep abandoning myself, if you're not there to be there with others, if I'm not present, Mm -hmm. if I'm not present,
0: you've said your work in the world a few times. What is your work in the world?
1: My work in the world is to help is to really disrupt the trance of unworthiness and help women remember the truth of who we are.
0: Boom. I'm Just sitting in that for a moment. <laughs> the trance of unworthiness. When do you think that starts?
1: I think it starts, uh, I think it completes when we're right around 10 or 11. I think we're entranced by the time we are 12 years old. And it's, you know, depends, you know, there's some outliers there, but I'd say for sure. By the time we're 14, no question. Wow. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I'm
0: just sending love to my younger self right now for being in that trance of unworthiness for completing that trance of unworthiness when i was 12 13 or 14 and then for being in it for years afterwards and then for coming out of it for waking up for remembering who i am
1: yeah and did you did you also have a shattering like a like a dark night of the soul or like what was it like for you
0: I didn't have a big kaboom. I had multiple. I had a more gradual awakening. And I'm, I am grateful for that. I, I really, truly am grateful for that. And through so much of it, of course, there was the another thing. Another thing. And, and for me, it also was through my body. Most of the waking up. My body, our bodies our wisdom and our bodies are what call us home.
1: Yeah, and it really is like the body holds the wisdom and that's that other place that we as women have been taught not to go. You know, like yeah. we don't, that we don't possess, that we don't possess our own bodies, that somehow they're, they belong to other people, you mm-hmm. know, right? So there's like, there's a lot here, right, to this. Like there's a lot of layers because the trance is a, is a big scaffolding you know, uh, that happens over time. And so um, even having a huge shattering, it's no matter whether you come out of it gradually, or it's a huge shattering, The then the work and the practice is constant of, you know, noticing, oh, I'm going back into the, tr-, you know, like, I-, I just, I got caught in the trance yesterday, or, you know, whatever that yeah or that difference is where you start to kind of recognize the difference. Mm -hmm.
0: Or even there, oh, how'd that little belief get stuck back there? Mm -hmm. And for me, I'll be like, I don't believe it, but it's still there.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Like it's still in me. So I would just like to like, just clean that up. That's like, it's like moving into a house and a couple of years later, realizing you didn't unpack a box because it's actually filled with stuff you don't want anymore stuff that's no longer serving you so finding that box and just being like oh okay you can go directly into the garbage (laughs)
1: directly
0: yeah yeah so coming back to the the concept of revelation Mm -hmm. how does that weave into this remembering What's the? I guess what's the difference between remembering and revealing?
1: Yeah, yeah, so good, great question. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make them into two questions. I'm gonna answer your first one and then I'll answer your second one. So, um, so I believe that life is a revelation project. You know, like I believe that we're here to reveal the truth of who we are that you know that we're both divine and human and when we're kind of when we kind of get to the place where we've because we do all the things like we throw the baby out with the bathwater, we try all these different things but like there's a way i think that until we find that portal back into ourselves, and there are many doorways there, right? There's never just one way back in. But once you, once you kind of have that piece, then it's a process. And I, I call it the seven steps of, in in my case, I call it the seven steps of feminine freedom, because for us women, um, it's a little bit different, right? And, and I want to be really clear that my work is with women and men are so important to this equation, right? And, and I also want to make sure that I'm saying there's gender and then there's energy, right? And so when I talk, like the, what the Revelation Project is for me is really about revealing all of the barriers that get in the way, first of all, of me knowing who I am but also all the barriers that get in the way from us allowing the divine feminine to return to our lives. And so as we start to allow, right? So when I think about some of the feminine energies that we need to practice as women, some of those things are like um, staying, right? When things get difficult. So that's a practice, right? When we get triggered to stay, right? Like I was always famous for leaving, like physically and emotionally, right? Like, um, in fact, my I always laugh during the pandemic. My family, my family's like calling my bluff because like when I really get triggered, I'm like, I'm out of here, you know? And my family's like, yeah, yeah, you have nowhere to go. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the seven steps for me are like, um you know, really, I call it from revelation to revolution. And so in the process, like we could look at our whole lives in that process, or we could look at like one moment of suffering. And it's really the suffering that I will call the grit or the mud or the mess. And if it's here, then know that you're about to experience the lotus or the pearl, right? That, that the grit, no grit, no pearl, no mud, no lotus, right? That you actually need that, that the more messy or uncomfortable it is, the closer you are actually to a revelation. And so it's really in that case about, um, and I always have to use my cheat sheet, um, looking at first revealing what's here, right? And being transparent. Because as women, I I dare to assert that what women want the most is intimacy, which I say, into me, see, like, see me, like, see the real me, right? Like, I want to be seen. And that those two truths get to coexist, that I am both terrified to be seen and terrified to not be seen. The tr-
0: I think I've told you this before, but when I hear truth, it falls into my body. And what you just said just went smack dab, totally skipped over, like playing around in the head and just dropped straight into my body.
1: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I love Thank that. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's, it's, uh, you know, those moments where we're actually seeking that. And again, we've been trained as women to pretend that that's not the case. Like how many of us have said no, when what we really wanted to say was yes Mm -hmm. and said, yes, when we really meant no, right. It's like, why do we do like, sometimes I can be sitting there and I'm like, what did you just say that for? Like, do you need help with that, honey? No. (sighs) No, I've got it. Got this whole thing. I got this. I'm going to make it look really pretty because I got it. Because I can do it all by myself,
0: but I can't. I can't. Totally can't.
1: And who wants to? Mm -mm. My God. Like, stop it. Right? So it's like revealing it. You know what, honey? Can I? Thank you for offering. And can I? I'm going to change my mind on that. Yeah. I do need help. Need help. Cause you know what? I'm realizing that I'm doing that. Like I've got it all handled thing because I don't want you to think that I don't, but that actually I get to have it handled and ask for help. That both of those truths can stand by side by side.
0: And you know what I see in that is there's a way we've been trained to speak and then there's what we believe and there's what we know to be true. And it's like three different things. So sometimes the words that come out of our mouth are there to make other people comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then there's the like, m- maybe there's a fear of showing that we, we don't actually have it under control. Maybe they're, they're, that fear isn't always even there. I think we can know what's true. We can know help would be amazing. And yet the words that come out of our mouth hole are the total opposite.
1: I love it when you say mouth hole. <laughs> yes. Well, and also that's also kind of that double bind that I talk about with women, you know, it's like, we, um, it, it, it's like we're, we're taught that to need help is weak. I mean, same for men, right? Like anything that's remotely smells like feminine somehow got associated with weakness or these stereotypes, which are not true. I just want to say, because like, I don't know how, what I can say here, but I'm always you to like, say everything. Oh my God. Cause I just want to go to like, hello, we are the friggin' birthers of the world. Like How, like, did you ever notice how tender nuts are? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And like, like, we're like, like, (gasps) like those things are like so fragile. And yet we like birth fucking babies out of like Mm -hmm. vaginas. It's like, we live in the upside down. Yes, We live in the upside down in this culture. We do. And we've been, we've been sold a bill of goods and we bought it we bought it. And now what we have to do is we have to do the work of unbecoming. So everything that you've been taught not to do is actually a portal into your power. That is what this is about is the revelation project. And so. I adore
0: you, Monica (laughs) Rogers. I just freaking love you so much. Okay, keep going. I just Likewise.
1: had to, just yes. had to
0: interject that.
1: Thank you. So, uh, so step 1 is reveal, right? Reveal it. Reveal it whatever it is. Like whatever it is. Step 2 is reckoning. Okay? Like reckoning. And guess what? We we de- we're never going to like the reckoning because we have to face something about ourselves that we don't necessarily oh, like I don't want to show him that I need help. Right? Like uh but but that's not about it that's about something that we're we're needing to see, right? That we're not that we're not in touch with this powerful truth of that sacred and, right? That we we get to be messy and magnificent. We get to be both. We get to we those truths get to, we have to stop being in this binary, way of seeing the world and and experiencing our lives, right? So the reckoning is all about what do I need to face? And a lot of people need to have a retreat, Mm -hmm. right? And that's especially important for women, because I believe we're deep processors. And so sometimes you need to be, you need to retreat and have a reckoning, a self reckoning, and really look at where are you still hiding? Where are you still playing small? Where are you still fearful? Where are you still believing the lies? Right? Um, and then step three is reflect, and and sometimes that's also, um, you know, the remembering. And so you ask the difference, right? And so to me, like remembering is, it's like we have to forget. Cause that's what has us kind of go back into the trance. And then we're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to reveal. I'm going to reckon. I'm going to reflect. I'm going to remember. I'm going to recover. These are all re-words.
0: I'm very oppressed with your, with your use of the letter R.
1: You guys, there's no end to these words. I figured out. I was like, it's a gold mine of re, re, re. So gold mine of Riri is all I have to say. So, um, so the recovery part is all about like our story, right? The story we tell ourselves doesn't define us. Our our learning challenges don't define us. Our bodies don't define us.
0: You know those stories we tell ourselves we're reciting. Or reciting over those.
1: Over. You're narrating the frigging story. Like you can change the storyline. Like when I figured that out. What a revelation. So um, so that's when you get to reauthor. I'm just gonna continue with the R words here. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the reclamation and the reclamation is like the best part because that's when you get back in touch with that self-love piece when you remember like all of the pieces right when you re- when you also are able to kind of um celebrate that the the inner heroine right we we talk about history but what we need to create is herstory And what we want to do in this step is really to claim, to, to, to claim our power, to really embody our sovereignty, you know, to really give ourselves full permission. That's that fully permissioned place to really shine, like I have the right to shine I have the right to make mistakes I have the right to fuck it up a thousand times and still choose myself
0: yes yes you have a right to figure it out as you go
1: I have the right to do it my way Mm -hmm. I have the right to to divorce five times right Mm -hmm. like whatever you're making up out there about how unworthy you are and how if they really knew you know if they really knew what you really did, then they really wouldn't love you. It's really not true. Right? Like you get to reclaim like you get to you get to reclaim all these parts and pieces of yourself, even the ones with warts and stretch marks and you know that you're not super proud of sometimes. It's okay. Okay. And then step seven is revolution. And that's when we, when we've done that inner work, you can do this in a moment or you can take a lifetime, but it's when you do this work and then you're able to bring it back to the world and share it with others. Like I've always said, like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing? if that's the way we were able to communicate, like, Oh my God, I had this incredible revelation yesterday. And then that's how we, that's how we communicated versus like that superficial talk that like, I can't breathe there. I can't, there's no, I can't breathe in that place.
0: Neither can I, and I do communicate in revelations. I love to tell people my revelations. I know you do.
1: That's why, that's
0: why we're here. This is so why we're here. Mm. We have to start wrapping this up. I don't want to.
1: I know it's so sad, but
0: we do. So let me see what I want to ask you as a final ish question. Ish. Ish. Cause I cannot make any promises. Let's imagine you have a billboard. You get to put whatever you want on that billboard, and it's a magical billboard. You can put it wherever you want in the world, but wherever it is, everybody can read it. In other words, what's the message, the concise message that you want everyone in the world to hear?
1: Stay. Just stay. Was that, that mean? actually makes me emotional? Yeah, that was
0: that was very powerful.
1: Yeah, it means it means like like be here, and also like don't abandon yourself. don't abandon yourself. Don't abuse yourself. You know, like, just stay with yourself. Stay in this moment of discomfort. Stay in this body. Stay in this disagreement. Stay in this disharmony. Don't give up because you have to have disharmony before you find harmony. You have to have dissonance before you find resonance. It just means you're getting closer. So just stay. Don't give up.
0: Monica, you are such a beautiful soul.
1: Thank you. I,
0: I love you so much. You Where so much. <laughs> can people connect with you, work with you, listen to you?
1: Oh, so uh, just go to join the revelation .com. And if you want, I also have a podcast and interview, I actually will we'll be publishing your episode soon. And I'm so glad that that's how we found each other. And, um, and I've, I've taken some time, you know, off to write the book, but what I'd love is if people just want to follow me on social, you can find my social links, of course, through the website and listen to the podcast. I'd be thrilled. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Who's not going to want more Monica in their life.
1: (laughs) And there's a free gift there too, if you want to download it, but I have two, Uh, you can decide which one you want. There's a bill of rights that I wrote, but I want you to use it as your muse to create your own bill of rights. Um, And it just to get your juices flowing, you can download a copy of it. And I also created what I call the trance busters resource guide to feminine freedom. And it's really, um, as you can see, I have a book problem, but I always say dangerous women read. And so what we, what I love is how I disrupted the trance was really through starting to get really curious about um, anything divine feminine, feminist, like what, you know, like all of the like I I needed to know everything. And then of course you start understanding that it's all connected, the patriarchy, racism, all the isms, they're all in there. So what I've done is created a resource guide. It's kind of a like pick your genre, but you can, that way you don't have to search around and you know, I've already vetted it. I've already read it. And uh, there's some amazing, amazing resources in that guide.
0: Mm, that sounds really helpful. Thank you. And really okay. empowering. Yeah. Just like you.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for sharing your light and your wisdom with us today.
1: Such an honor, such an honor. I'm so, so proud to be here and I've loved every minute of it. And thank you to your listeners for your generous listening.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope it brought you joy and plenty of revelations. And of course, there's always more to be revealed, as Monica says. Go check out Monica and all of her work at jointherevelation.com. Check out the Revelation Project podcast. And I believe there is a brand new episode with me on there. So if you liked listening to us here, head over to the Revelation Project listen to us there. And if you like those episodes, please share them with everyone you know. And of course, the five-star ratings and the reviews really help. So give me one here at the Find Your Awesome Podcast, please, and give Monica one over at the Revelation Project. We both appreciate it so much, and we appreciate you so much. You are a bright, shining star, and you are here to be sparkly AF remember all the ways you can work with me whether it's human design light leader amplification or something else you can find it all at kelseyabbott.com i love you go forth and be awesome